Electricast. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum. Restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save $1 each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Hello, and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show, featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love, and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement, Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, it becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's a great pleasure I have the opportunity of introducing special guest Calvin Coyles, CEO of Wild Success, a world-leading trainer, author, and coach in the field of personal transformation. Calvin helps people to become professional life coaches that make money and change lives and create impacts. After nearly a decade working in personal transformation, NLP, and breakthrough coaching, Calvin knows how to change lives rapidly. From his experience supporting 200,000 clients in over 83 countries, Calvin developed the WILD method, a breakthrough way of producing results in people's lives. He's led training programs in over 60 countries for leaders, coaches, healers, athletes, and business owners. At just 30 years old, he's a self-made multimillionaire, has three best-selling books, and has been featured alongside Tony Robbins, Deepak Chopra, and Jeff Bezos in publications such as Forbes, Entrepreneur Magazine, Huffington Post, Inc., and Business Insider. It's a great pleasure. I welcome Calvin Coyles to the show. Welcome to the show, Calvin. Jason, thank you for having me. Listening to that bio, like, wow, that sounds good. I, I might have to, I might have to get that updated. I like that. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate you having me, my friend. Thank you so much. Well, welcome to the show. And I, I, what I love about having you on is, is I like people who have lived some remarkable lives and have made something from having adversity overcome. And I want to ask you first question. Think about yeah. is the challenges you went through in your life so far. What have you learned the most from your challenges that you would like to impart to our audience? That's a great question straight off the bat. No, no foreplay, just straight into it. Um, okay, so adversity. There's been a lot of adversity and there's been a lot of lessons from that. But let me see if I can pick a couple of things. Um, I'm going to just trust what comes to me. Um, the, the first one that came to me was adversity with regards to, uh, to relationships. I, um, I was very fortunate when I was a younger man. I say younger man. Uh, when, I was, when, I was, when I was 16... I had a high school sweetheart and we were together from 16 to 26 or so 10 years. And 
leaving that relationship, the breakdown of that relationship was a, was a really pivotal moment in my life because it was about making a decision about not the man that I was, but the man that I wanted to be. And in that process, there was a lot of personal growth, a lot of healing. Obviously, naturally, there's a lot of growth anyway for someone from 16 to 26. But particularly in my case, I went from being a uni, I went from a high school student to a university college student, and then I went inside my own business. And that saw me traveling a lot as well. And there's just, there's lessons in being able to try and keep something going while you're also trying to start a business and a family and all that sort of stuff together, which is really difficult. And I think there's important understanding. And this, I think the, the message I want to share more broadly is, you know, there are people, I believe there are people that come into your lives that are there with you for your whole life, right? And in spirit, we would say they're spirit guides or life path guides. But there are people on this earth plane that come into your life for a set amount of time. And then those people, you know, effectively, they, they're there for a certain uh, part. And and also within that, it wasn't just the, the partner I was leaving as well, but also like the extended family as well, because obviously we're very, very close, 10 years together. We were engaged as well. I, I had a plan in my life. I thought I was going to be married and we we're going to have a family together. And that just didn't happen. And, um, you know, they say life happens when you're busy making other plans. And the, the irony of it all is as well that whilst that was happening, um, I ended up to separate from, from my partner and then I end up uh, falling in love and, uh, and then end up marrying the love of my life, uh, Ashley, who is now the, is. thank you, is also the mother of my child. We've got a child on the way in September. Wow. And when, um, when we got married, we got married in, um, in the Maldives, Maldives, depending on where you're from, how you want to pronounce it. And we had our friends and family there on a private island. And I remember saying to her in my vows, I said, when I see you here today, I'm reminded the angels that watch over us have plans for us that we know very little about. In essence, saying that, you know, I met Ash through her two brothers who are uh, both team members of mine and part business partners of mine. They were my first clients in business. And so there's, there's a really be- beautiful sort of synchronicity of that life transformation in the sense of when I set up this business, when I make the distinction to say, hey, I'm going to live a life of, of purpose, I'm going to now move in this direction. The first person I come in contact with is a guy called Kim Barrett. The second person I come in contact with is his brother, Jason Barrett. And then I end up marrying their sister. And so- That's Beautiful synchronicity. I amazing, mean, right? Amazing. Wow. And, and to be fair, just so everyone knows the story as well, you know, Ash, they only introduced me to Ash a couple of years after I met the boys, right? At this point, obviously, as well, I'm, I'm engaged. I'm not looking for anything, obviously. Uh, but Ash was a hater. She she thought that what I was doing, I was ripping off her brothers. She thought that I was full of shit. She thought that she didn't understand NLP or personal growth. She didn't know why people would spend money on this stuff. And so eventually we managed to obviously get her on board. And now she works with us and, you know, we have a company together and she's as much an advocate as anybody else. But it just it's a really interesting thing. When I look at that time frame, there's almost like a an evolution in who I was that, you know, the man that started the business and then started to grow that business, he was a different person. He was on a different path than previous. And so I think there is there is an adversity and almost like a, sh- a snake sheds its skin. Yes. There's an adversity that comes with that, that you've got to be willing to give up who you are in order to become who you want to be. But that as well, it's not just an internal journey. That oftentimes will mean people, friends, family members, circumstances, uh, colleagues around you, that also is going to have to transform as well. So that would definitely be one of the big ones for sure. Um, and then also the, um, uh, probably another one that's uh, held true for me has been uh, the the challenge of, of running and, and starting a business. And, you know, we've been very successful over the last eight years. 
but we've also been very unsuccessful at times as well. And uh, the, the difference that makes the difference in my experience is just grit and perseverance and, um, and, and how quickly you can learn the lessons and respond. You know, a lot of people have this sort of fear of failure. What happens if I fail? You fail all the time, like all the time. But the question is not whether or not you fail. The question is how quickly you respond to that failure. I believe that leaders anticipate and act, followers hope and react. And so for me, it's about going, cool, we had an, a setback. Let's, as Les Brown would say, let's see if we can try and land on our back. Because if you can land on your back, if you can look up, you can get up and turn a setback into a setup for a comeback. So they'd probably be two of the big ones for me in terms of, of lessons of adversity. What a deep answer. And you were able to intertwine synchronicity into your answer, which really impresses me too. And now I'm judging your answer with points, but I would say <laughs> yeah. I'm really impressed. I'm really impressed. No, but seriously, I'm impressed by the way you described that just now, having life of a purpose and, and preparing yourself and, and looking at, you know, you know, what I thought when you just said the word adversity, I consider it, like you said, the snake shedding its skin. The adversity is almost like the inertia. It's like mm-hmm. the thing that makes everything move and change in your life where you be evolve and yes. growing. Like it's what it's, it's the catalyst that makes you shed the skin to keep growing. Right. If you didn't have the adversity that was propelling you in your life, like your mm-hmm. example just now between relationships, business and stress and mindset, I'm sure also intertwined in that. But if you didn't have that adversity, you would never have found the love of your dreams. You would have never mm-hmm. had the amazing businesses you have now or the success you're enjoying or being able to work with others and giving them also advice and guidance from what you've already have experienced in your own right. I think that's, that's something, you know, and it's almost like if you could try to take what you've learned and share it in, in, in the easiest way possible, what word would you use to describe what you've learned in terms of guidance? I'm not sure if there, there is a word to encapsulate it, but if there was, I think that there's a, there's, I've, I've always found that the distinction between people that are successful and the ones that are not, and I don't mean just economic success, I mean literally anything, is belief. You know, for me, I was very blessed in the sense that I've had a very strong spiritual belief for a very long time. But for a lot of people, it's really just self-belief. You know, it's, it's staggering to me how many people just don't believe in themselves. I saw a post actually was funny around Christmas time, which was saying it's a sad reality that more people believe in Father Christmas than they do in themselves. And I was like, that's funny. That's that's funny because it's so true. There's 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 such a lack of 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 belief. And if uh, if people just believed more, I and mean, we always say this, right? Uh, and I'm sure you'll appreciate this, Jason, as well. That doubt kills more dreams than failure ever could. Like most people don't fail. Most people just doubt that they'll ever be successful, so they just don't start. And so it's that lack of belief in themselves that that you should you know, permeates every area of somebody's life, and it really penetrates the soul of who they are. And as a result of that, they live very much shadow selves of who they could be. I could see that most people hold themselves back without fear. I actually did that earlier in my psychic like right. situation because I'm a lawyer and a psychic and a podcaster now. But well, I, before, try <laughs> before I got that, I was always just a lawyer trying to figure out how to be a psychic. And for many years, I let my fear of being discovered about it. Or when I was yeah. early in my career, I, I kind of let that dictate. So I delayed it about a decade. But I also feel like timing has something to do with everything too, right? Of course. You know? of course. And yeah. so being able to distinguish that and accept that even in the past, looking back at the past and not holding on to negativity or regret or guilt, I, that's a secret weapon a lot of people don't realize. They are the, the secret weapon of letting go of the negativity from the past. If you can do that, which I've done a lot of that through the pandemic, I, I did that journey inwards. I think a lot of us did. And yeah. I learned from letting go and forgiving and being able to like 
look at things from different points of view and yeah. not taking life as seriously with yourself, yeah. it can help free you up to let new energy in going forward. Absolutely. If you have an opinion with that as well, it sounds like you do. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that we talked about, you mentioned in the bio is that we created a methodology called the wild method. And I think that's part of it, right? Which is, uh, I'll sort of explain it briefly and then I'll jump to your point, which was the, for me, um, you know, we've worked with a lot of people, right? And you see the same patterns of, of struggle, right? People struggle with the same things again and again and again, across cultural bounds, across race, religion, ethnicity, it doesn't matter. Everyone struggles with the same stuff. And so effectively three things. The first thing is a compelling vision. So having a vision for your for your life that is more than what it is now and, and something that's going to really motivate somebody, that's going to inspire somebody, that's going to be, you know, grit inducing on that on that quest to become who you want to be. So that's number one, a compelling vision. And a lot of people don't have that. They're completely lost. They have no idea what they want to do with their lives. Number two, and there's plenty of reasons for that, but number two is then internal alignment. So there's a lot of people that have a vision for more, but then they don't follow through. In your case, Jason, it was this sort of fear of, of guilt or of being found out or of, of judgment from other people as well. And so it's like, I've got this vision. I know in my heart and soul I'm meant to be a psychic uh, and that you know, lawyer is what I've trained to be, but a psychic is who I was born to be, right? That that reference. Exactly. And, uh, and, and people are held back. It's almost that they take one step forward and two steps back. And we said there are five things within an alignment that hold most people back. This is not a comprehensive list, but these are the big ones. So you've got first and foremost beliefs, right? Limiting beliefs around yourself, around others, around the world. Emotions. You know, the average person experiences 12 emotions on a daily basis, eight of which are negative, and they're quite habitual. Number three is your thoughts and your focus. Number four is your behaviors, so your actions, your habits, routines, and, and rewards. And then number five would be your values. Uh, and so, you know, we've got a variety of tools that can help someone orient those things in alignment with what they want rather than what they don't want. But a lot of people have had, you know, in my case, 31 years now, 31 years of conditioning those things in a certain pattern. And so you end up getting a result as of, well, you are a sum of those five parts. And then that's the internal alignment bit. And then the final bit is a strategy bit. And which is around proven strategy. So someone might have a compelling vision. You know, I say, Calvin, I want to be a psychic. And I go, great. And then you go, look, I've got all my, I'm, I'm fully on board with this. There's no internal friction, uh, but I just don't know how to go out there and be a psychic. I don't know how to start that business. I don't know how to cultivate that skill set. I don't know how to put myself out there or attract clients. And those are strategic problems. And, you know, we've got, um, it's early for me in Perth. And so the sun is, is sort of rising here from, from the east and all set in the west. If my strategy is to see a sunset, I want to head west. But if I'm heading east, I'm never going to see a sunset. And so some people are feeling burnt out. They're doing too much uh, because they don't have guidance. And whether that be guides or guidance here, they don't have that. And, uh, and as a result of that, you know, a lot of it is from an ego place where the people don't believe that they're going to make it. So they do too much. They overcompensate. Then they create success. They achieve a certain level of, of, of status but they don't know what it was that actually got them there. And so they find themselves constantly trying to sort of one-upmanship themselves. I think that's what I'm trying to say. And uh, and then they burn out because they don't, they're afraid of stopping any one thing because they're not sure which of those things were the thing that made the difference. So effectively three things, vision, alignment, strategy. Uh, but coming to your point with regards to people holding themselves back from all of those things, if you... You know, nearly all of this is self-forgiveness, right? It's in 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 it's very difficult in our culture, and uh, and I'm just connecting some dots now when I think about you know childhood 
and uh, and discipline. If you did something wrong, you were punished for it, right? So naturally, as adults, we punish ourselves for doing something wrong. But the challenge with that is that that doesn't create a state of learning. Like a, a kid that's been sent to the naughty step or that's been smacked or that's been told off is now not tr- particularly inspired to now figure out how uh, what do I learn from this situation? We don't think like that. We're very primal in that way. We just go, I was hurt. I'm upset now. And I'm I'm really sorry. And so you then lower your social standing and you don't have the sort of the intellect to try and figure it out. And so people still go to that place. And so very rarely does beating yourself up solve a lot of problems. It's important, but it doesn't solve a lot of problems like feel it and then move forward from it. We always say, um, learn how to use the emotion. Don't let the emotion use you. And so in this case, if you're uh, dealing with regret or sadness or one of those things, excellent. They're triggers, they're symbols for a reason. Hear them, be aware of them, and then do something with them. Don't just sit there and sort of wallow in that self-pity because it's not serving you or anybody else. Exactly. No, nobody, nobody likes a pity party. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. And you know, interestingly enough, when you talk about having a vision, internal alignment, and then strategy, I mean, that's, yeah. that sounds like that's the recipe of what you need to do to put something into action and, and have, a, have, a, have a, a, a paradigm that can be workable for you. Yes. That you paradigm, right. And um, when you, when you look at things like the secret manifestation, I want to ask yep. you, I've started manifesting things in my life um, rather remarkably, actually, once you get used to it, right? Um, With vision boards and and stuff like that. And I want to ask you, well, how have you found manifestations worked in your life and shape your direction of your path? Oh, unbelievably. Um, The Secret was one of the first, uh, yeah, watching that movie, reading that book was one of the first real awakenings for me. Um, You know, I was a young adult at this point. I think I would have been 15, maybe 16 when it first came out. Um, So that was pretty substantial for me. I mean, at that point, I'd already read a lot of business-based books, right? So Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, for example, I'd read all of his stuff. But um, I hadn't really done a lot of personal development. It was more about how create, be wealthy, right? Because my dad was running his own business and I wanted to model him. But the secret comes along and I'm like, wow, this is this is unbelievable. Like this idea that you can sort of, you know, speak which you want out to the universe. And um, and from there, I've always been a strong-minded, very intense individual. And so when you link that intensity with intention, uh, things happen in a powerful way. And so for me, I actually don't think that I can put anything down that I've got in life to anything other than attraction uh, and the law of attraction and just being absolutely obsessively focused, but with what it is that I desire. In fact, it's funny you, you bring this up. I was just in Broome in the North of, of Western Australia recently. I was reading some old school classics. I read, um, read some stuff from, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, can't remember his name now. Uh, he was a statesman in the United States. Anyway, I remember I read some stuff from, um, the, the science of getting rich uh, the master key. And I read a couple other things around law of attraction. And, and then I was listening to a podcast recently about it as well. And, and I tend to agree with what was said. It was uh, Naval Ravkin uh, talked about this on Joe Rogan. He was talking about the universe is sort of hardwired in a way where if you want one thing with all your, all your heart and soul, then you'll get it. If you want a lot of little things and you try to spread that energy too, 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 too low, uh, you won't get any of them. And I tend to agree with that. I think that it's probably more compelling for people to have one obsessive focus and desire. You know, um, uh, 
uh, in Think and Grow Rich, they talk about this desperate, obsessive focus, right? Or single-mindedness of purpose. That's a gift. And, yeah. It's called a strong passion. Yeah. It's part of ingenuity of the human spirit as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. When used yeah. in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's essential for anybody that, um, that's, you know, wanting to accomplish something. And there are sacrifices you make to balance things out. Like if you make certain decisions to have that passion, a lot of the people who you see are visionaries, people are trailblazers. They have these unique lives, lifestyles where they, they focus so much Look at professional athletes, right? Olympians and yeah. professional football players, basketball, players, I mean, or, or rugby or whatever. It's like, cricket it, it, it's, it's amazing right when you see what they can accomplish and what the human capacity can accomplish just through coaching and and manifesting and and hard work and discipline and life's purpose right that's that's a, a heavy not heavy i should say that's that's a that's a, a direct example of what we're talking about i think absolutely absolutely which is why i think obviously you just had the olympics right so yeah. that's why think that they're so inspiring because you get to see what happens when someone dedicates themselves to one thing above anything else. Um, and that that's unbelievable. I think there's always a yearning for most people to do that. I think it's something like that's, that's almost, you know, biological inside of us to have that one focus. Um, and then obviously what happens for a lot of people is, you know, they major in minor things. And so they spread themselves out very thinly. And part of that is that just that's life experience, but also other, other things is that people are, are trying to appease other people. And so, it, there's, there's a the, the reason why you tend to see this happen more with men than you do with women is because from a masculine energy perspective, it's easier to be selfish or to focus on oneself. Uh, from women find that far more difficult to do than men, uh, and that's neither good nor bad. It just is what it is. And so within that, it's 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 your ability to to just be mono like to have that monomaniacal focus and and to be okay with having that as well. That's also difficult in a world that tries to tell you you should be doing a lot of different things. And obviously now as well with, with social, there's, it's so easy if you're heading down a path and you see somebody else doing something cool, that sort of shiny object syndrome kicks into gear as well. And you're comparing your step three with someone's step 45 and yes. get in their heads about it as well. I think that's quite important. That could be the discouraging side of, of social media. Absolutely. And there's Absolutely. also the healthy side, right? The positive side, that there's community and all these things that can happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at, your your life journey right now and i want to ask you has anyone ever has anyone ever called you an old soul yes all the time and what's your what's your what's your understanding what do you do when people say that (laughs) normally thank you Uh, and i know um that's normally how i respond um yeah people see it all the time um particularly like young people don't say it old people say it i say old people older than me people say it um, and I always, see, I always see it as a compliment. Absolutely. I always see it as a compliment, and um, and that you know I'm 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 connected to something more than um, than than myself, which is always nice. It's a nice affirmation and reminder of that. I'd love to ask you about that. Do you feel that you've had like in your own intuition for yourself? Like, do you feel like you're a very intuitive person, and that yes. you're highly intuitive and have your, your own abilities of certain gifts? I was asking yes, about absolutely. that. Yeah, have you ever talked about that publicly before. Yeah, yeah, I do. I'm not often on podcasts, but uh, I do in a seminars. So we um, we have a series of different programs and courses. But the the first one that we do is um, is called uh, self mastery, 
And in that course, we talk about beliefs and we talk about, you know, spiritual beliefs and, and um, you know, I've got a series of, of, of spiritual beliefs that have led me to be who I am today. But I really try to trust in that intuition. And I don't necessarily feel like it's my intuition. You know, when I get on stage or when I'm speaking to an audience uh, or really when I'm doing any transformation work, so if I'm, if I'm doing a coaching session or something, I'll, I'll always say a prayer and I'll ask spirit to guide over me, watch over me and and protect me. And in part of that, and I'll say as well, is allow me to do whatever needs to be done. Allow me to say whatever needs to be said to be able to help these people make a change now. And then I'll just surrender to that. And so I don't think about what I'm meant to be saying to the person. Obviously, I'm present to the tools that I've got available on this earth plane. But beyond that, uh, I'm really channeling and I'm trying to just be connected. Now, I'm not actively trying to channel and connect into a specific voice. I don't hear voices, oh. but very much that feeling and that intuition. I trust that to be my compass and that guide. And, and if and, you know, and sometimes, like for example, today, if you would ask me like the question we talked about at the very beginning uh, around adversity, if you'd asked me that on a different day, I probably would have given you completely different answers because um, I just trust that whatever's meant to come up is meant to come up, not for me or for you necessarily, but for whoever might be listening, that that might be a thing that helps or serves them. And so, you know, there's a, there's a broader fabric uh, that is at play that we don't ever get to see. And so I just trust that that fabric's always working for us rather than working against us. Yeah, it's interesting because I've considered from prior meditations and I've been in like sensory deprivation tanks and stuff a couple of times. I've gotten from those experiences of deep meditative practice that we are a fabric, the universe, everything's a fabric connected as one and that we are all one, right? And I wanted to ask you, have you ever felt for yourself that when you connect to your higher self through meditative practices or whatnot, you just mentioned the fabric, but have you felt the interconnectedness that I'm referencing? Yeah, I find that quite a lot in nature, to be fair. Um, I mean, I, I don't have a very strong meditative practice um, in the sense of I, I struggle at times to sit down and be still, which is probably why I should do more of it. Uh, but it's something that I'm looking to do more of. You're taking some time out was good for that. But um, certainly when I'm, I'm, in, I'm in connection with, uh, within, within nature, and obviously we've got some unbelievable landscapes here in Australia, when I'm in those spaces, it's just remarkable to really feel how involved everything is, right? I, I definitely get that, that overwhelming sensation when I'm in those places for sure. Wow. Nature is actually a healing modality to me. I feel mm-hmm. like when we go out to nature and we're around and amongst you know, yes. the trees and nature itself, I feel like you could actually heal a lot from the internal yes. stuff that we deal with. And yes, absolutely. Have you had it? Have you ever had a healing experience in nature? And would you be willing to share it? Um, well, I guess I'm certainly willing to share. I'm just trying to identify. I think, I think what the science is telling us uh, beyond the, the spirit is that you know, when you are in a world that is constructed, right, like this world that we're in is constructed, um, then there's a certain sort of cognitive load that happens on the brain. And that when you go into deep nature, where you can't see construct and it's all just creation, right, trees, plants, etc., or natural landscapes, that that does, it's almost like a, um, a cleaning that happens in your brain where it just decompresses. So I have definitely found moments of that where I've been, you know, wired and then being able to go into deep nature is just like you, you almost get like this drop, right? It just drops. Um, and that's been rather beautiful. Um, I, um, I'm trying to think about or connect in with, with a, a time where I feel like I've had a healing that I've been aware of. Nothing's coming to mind, but 
there's there's uh, there's more times than I can count where I've just been uh you know transcendent or transpondent in the sense of you know like you're here but you just are like wow this is beyond this moment um and 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 a and I tend to find in those moments that there's a and like a sense of replenish that happens but then there's also a sense of tremendous expansion of going, wow, okay, fuck, this is then inspires me to then want to go and, and to do even more with my life to, to, to reach people at a different level and to accomplish more for myself, and my family as well. Uh, it, I'm, a lot of my energy is, is around the ex- expansion. And so that, that tends to tap in naturally to that experience as well. Where do you see yourself five years from now? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, well, I'll definitely have a little one, probably even two. Uh, so that's probably the big, big rocks um, over the next couple of years. Um, I, also, I see two. You, you see two? <laughs> I see two. I'm just telling you what I pick up when you said that. Sometimes I'll pick up stuff when people say stuff to me. I'll get yes or no's yeah. or answers. I got two. Yeah. Nice, beautiful. Uh, well, we've got a little girl on the way. Who knows? We might have a little girl, a little boy. I might be blessed with two little girls, which would be a challenge, I'm sure. Um, so I think that's obviously the big one is, is having the little ones. Um, you know, 30, I'll be 36 in, uh, in five years. So what do we want to be doing? To be fair, Jason, really nothing different to what I'm doing now. Um, I just want to be doing it better. And I've got to the point in my life now as well, just reflecting on this recently, where bigger is not necessarily better. I do believe we'll scale our impact. There's no doubt about that. But in terms of a bigger team or a bigger company, it's not necessarily what I'm looking for, particularly with the the family and the lifestyle aspect of that. So if I can continue to be of service, if I can continue to learn and grow, if I can continue to make money and change lives, that's all I want to be doing. I'm doing that now. So uh, I just want more expansion in that case. And uh, the opportunity to obviously be tremendously connected to uh, to my new family, which is going to be just just magical. So that's going to be a big one as well. Um, but doing all the same stuff that I'm doing now. Tell us about your podcast. Yeah. So we have a show called The Wildcast. Um, and basically, we do a couple of things. So we have a... Um, we do interviews like what you're doing now with me, uh, which I love doing it to you know, unpick and mindset of different people and hear their stories and their experiences always something to learn so i love that i love speaking to fascinating interesting people but then we also do as well little little snippets of just wisdom from me or lessons uh, a lot of obviously personal development content on there as well um where we get to sort of unpack different problems and challenges for people and then give them some strategies and some skills to be able to make that personal transformation shift so um it's an interview show but then there's also episodes as well with just me just sharing and giving insights and helping people kick goals that's that's basically what it is it's called the, the wild cast so wild w-i-l-d which is, stands for wellness income love lifestyle direction which is the company name and then cast hence podcast what have you enjoyed the most about having your own podcast um i think that's the point i just made which was um being able to interview people you know the the uh, we use a site, obviously, hence why we connected, which is called Podmatch, yes. which we've only been on for not that long. Exactly, but um, it's excellent because it, it, it obviously Podmatch is very well established in particularly Canada and uh, and America. So I've spoken to a lot of Canadians and a lot of Americans. Uh, which has been really wonderful because it's not a market that we have spent a lot of time uh, cultivating. We're mostly Australia and New Zealand and then the UK. 
uh, and uh, and so Europe, that's more our markets. So it's wonderful just to expose you to new people. But the big one is just conversations. Just being able to have conversations with people that without a podcast, you would never come in contact with that person. <laughs> You're right. Look at we're talking right now. I mean, yeah, exactly. There's no, of it. You're right. There's no overlap of, of your lives outside of this as well. So I think that's a really wonderful experience. And you know, when you've got interesting people coming together, having interesting conversations, that's a that's a fascinating place. Uh, for me to be. Um, and I, I enjoy that. I think there's all the stuff that you can learn from that. So I, um, when Jade, my media manager, first set it all up, she asked me, she said, what type of podcast do you want to be on? What type of people do you want to interview? And I said, look, I just want to speak to interesting people. I said, if I speak to interesting people, that gives me a sense of variety, allows my brain to think about things in different perspectives. I want to be challenged. I want to be uh, excited, you know, all of those things. So I think that there can be a, a difficulty. And I found this certainly in my own life, where as you become more successful, if you think about it as like a mountain analogy, as you climb the mountain, there's less people, right? So there's a lot of people at the base of the mountain, less people at the top of the mountain. And not necessarily from a leader's perspective, but just rather it's quite isolating. You know, I live very much in a bit of a bubble, right? Where I'm surrounded by people that either work with me uh, or sorry, work with me or work for me or my immediate family group. And so as a result of that, I've got a very curated sort of inner circle um, just because of the fact that, you know, the people you hang around are so important. And so the beauty of that is that you can build a great network, but the challenge is as well that it's difficult as a result of that to sort of expose yourself to new ideas and new insights and new understandings. And so uh, doing these podcasts allows you to, to really sort of roll the dice and you go, cool, I don't know what this is going to be like, but this is a wonderful opportunity. But you've already curated it where you're speaking to people that are effectively also climbing their own mountain. They're just not climbing the same one as yours. So that, that's that's been the most exciting bit for me. That's what I've really enjoyed. Hence why I keep doing these, because otherwise, if I wasn't loving it, I wouldn't do it anymore. I'm going to tell you, I feel like we're on a wave, right? We're like surfing the wave of podcasting. and But I, yeah. I feel like everyone that comes on my show, I have not only just a, an amazing conversation or discussion about spirituality and greater purpose and meaning and mindfulness yeah. and those other topics. But then I'm also like formulating amazing connections with people and relationships, right? Because we're all discovering each other through these interviews. But I feel like you're also, I learn from every interview you have. Absolutely. I'm either on or that I'm I'm giving because I feel like the interplay there, it creates a lot of wisdom, not only for our audience with an episode, but for me, I I made a joke with my mom about it. And I said that my podcast, I mean, anyone's podcast, it's like a snapshot of that person at that particular point in time. And your podcast is a gallery of all the images. Yeah, I like come on, right? A little artistic like there, but that's how I look at it. Let me ask you this. What do you believe in reference to your goal to leave your greatest impact in the world? What would that be? And how do you feel like you'll achieve that? Cool question. So effectively, two questions, right? One is what is my what is the greatest impact I want to leave in the world? And how do you feel like I'm going to achieve that? Yeah. Um, I think it's multifaceted. I think that there's always an element which is that you strive to try and make an impact in uh, a group of people through your work, but you never really fully appreciate the micro expressions of your life. So it's like your life, you talk about, you know, my, my work in terms of human transformation, I really see that as being the sort of the tip of the spear, right? But it's not the whole spear. That's just the tip of the spear. And then there's the rest of the spear as well. Then the person throwing the spear for the analogy. And so I think within that, with that in mind, um, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll, I know now 
and and I, I I so really stand firm on this in the sense that if I was to pass away today on my way to work and knock on wood that hopefully that doesn't happen right but if I was I know I passed having made a tremendous impact in people's lives but I'm only aware of the tremendous impact in people's lives through first order consequence in the sense that I've had direct interaction with thousands of people. And I've changed lives and I've done great stuff with my work. And, you know, these podcasts and that sort of stuff as well are out there. And I, I hear things from people. So I'm, I've got an awareness, at least a surface level awareness of the impact. But I don't know the impact that this podcast might have on somebody who's listening and then what they might do with their life moving forward. And then the impact of that person might impact somebody else. So you don't know what the second, third, fourth degree impacts right. are. So there's, the, there's a lot of peace in knowing that because I'm very clear about the fact that I know from a first order perspective, I have made a dent, right? So whatever happens after that is a bonus. So I don't think, and it would be impossible to comprehend to, uh, to certainly to my mind, I mean, there may be people out there that have, have, a, have be able to think about it, but I certainly couldn't think about what the full summation of that is. But for me, I want to know uh, in, in a very simple way, I remember listening to Will Smith talk about this, he said that he, his grandma had instilled a spiritual belief, which is that you've got a responsibility to make every group you come in contact with better, like to try and improve people's lives. And so I like that. I like that in a very simple way. And that helps me be more intentional about my individual interactions is to go, hey, how can you make everybody you come in contact with life better in some way? I like that. So that's one thing for sure. In terms of my work, you know, I come back to the principle we talked about earlier, which was belief. I think there's a tremendous lack of belief. And, you know, if you could sort of wave a magic wand and give everybody uh, uh, something, I'd give them belief. I'd give them self-belief, earned self-belief, not just self-belief, but earned self-belief. And, um, you know, I think if I can do that in my lifetime for as many people as possible, that'd be excellent. Um, I think because that is really the master key that unlocks a lot of other stuff as well. If you if you have self-belief, it's unbelievable what you can accomplish and achieve. If you don't, then you're just simply never going to get started. So I think that's really important for me. Um, and we want to try and change as many lives as possible. And, you know, Wild, my current company, that's that's the main vehicle for it. But there's there'll be other vehicles in the future, I'm sure. And obviously my family will be will be a key part of that as well. You know, as a as someone that's very highly strong, that's obviously got very strong spiritual beliefs and a sense of strong belief around why he's here in terms of myself, having a child now as well is a really interesting experience because now in your mind, you start thinking about legacy and you start thinking about, you know, a family and you go, okay, well, is my purpose here to make an impact in my life or really Am I here to be a vessel for my daughter and to best empower her with those skills? And is she now the baton carrier that's going to go out there and make an impact? And was I really just laying the groundwork for her? And that becomes a really interesting one for me, particularly because I've got a very strong sense of self-ego. And so having this idea of going, well, maybe it wasn't about you. Maybe it was about her. And now you're ready to pass that baton. That becomes a really interesting dynamic for me. It's actually quite liberating and quite exciting. So I don't really know how that's going to play out as well. But what I would like to think is this. When you think about really great families in, in history, and I say great families that made a big impact in the world, um, and there's plenty of examples, right? You look at the uh, the Kennedys, you look at the Rockefellers. Yeah, you, you look at uh, the, the Clintons, you look at um, uh, um, uh, just, you know, you know, dynasties, right, that were created over time. Um, 
you know, even what Branson's done recently with his two kids as well, I think is remarkable. You know, there's a real opportunity for your family to mean something beyond just living, right? It can be really a symbol. And I'd love for my family to be that if that's what they wanted as well. So um, I think that the, the the biggest legacy is going to be through uh, my children. Um, and uh, and I think then the rest of it will be through, through my work. And do I ever feel like I'm going to uh, finish that or get there? Probably not. I think there's always going to be more, but I think it's a it's a perspective of did you do the best that you had with what you have with what you've got? And I like to think that I'm doing that. I probably can do more. I probably could do a lot less. So that's probably my my internal feelings about it. I can see you. Are you already in North America with your company? In in uh, we're doing stuff in North America. Yeah, like a regular company uh, presence, like expanded into like operations yeah. in North America. We do a little. I see a bigger presence for you in North America in the future, like expansion yeah. into Canada, the United States, and even Mexico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, We've done a little bit of stuff there. The time zone's a bit difficult for us, but yes, we have done a bit. I'd see that your future path too with your daughter. When you're oh, talking great. about expanding, I could see her helping expand that in the future. So right. it's funny when you say things, I can get sometimes glimpses yeah. of one's future self a little bit. And I feel like that's validating what you're saying in terms of your goals. <laughs> I feel like you will be expanding even more so. Put it to work. Put it to work. I want to relax now. <laughs> where do you where do you find time, like downtime? Like, what do you do in your downtime? It sounds like you don't have a lot of it. Maybe you do. I don't know. What do you do when you are in I, um, Look, I keep myself pretty busy uh, because I'm very passionate about what we do. Um, in saying that, I do have downtime. I'm, I'm certainly better at it now than what I used to be. So, you know, my wife and I, Ash, we love traveling. So we just went and did a little trip uh, to, to Broome uh, for a couple of days. We, I still worked while I was up there, but we went and took a couple of days. And then, um, and then also uh, we're going to take off and do a couple of days as well, uh, just in the, couple, in the end of this week, actually, we're taking a couple of days off. So we like to travel. I love new experiences. I, knew, I love getting away, seeing different places. And obviously pre-COVID, we could do a lot more of that than we can now. Uh, but even just domestically, we do a bit of that. That's one of them. We love watching movies. We love just vegging out and just chilling. Uh, we also love going out and beautiful dinners. And so for me, it's about, you know, sharing time, uh, mostly with her. If I can just wrap up into a bit of a cocoon, then that's a happy place for me. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I do a bit of that. If I've got a uh, sort of a vice or an indulgence myself personally, I don't do a lot, but I love um, – I'm a big soccer fan. So for me, watching soccer, if I play a bit of FIFA as well, that'll be it as well. I go through phases, right, where it's like um, this sort of 16- or 15-year-old boy that uh, wants to play uh, video games. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll play uh, Xbox for like two days, and then I'll go, I fuck, I need to do something again with my life, and then I'll get back into business. <laughs> like, that's, that's you're nursing your child, man. You're nursing yeah, that's your child. That's it. That's what I call it. You know, it's all about yeah. your inner child. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So um, they're probably the big things. It's it's I, I read a heap. I love reading. Um, so when we're up, just you know, a good example would have been last week where we went away on a bit of a trip and um, we were up there for four days. I think I read four books in four days. So you know, I love reading. I love being away. You know, for me, if I can, downtime for me is like time I can get away from the noise of everything else that's going on in life. No one can call me or distract me or shit. I can be in some place that's beautiful and I can be learning and growing. Like if I can do those couple of things and that, that's pretty transcendent. So that's great. Have you ever had, um, a metaphysical experience. I know you said about meditation. Sometimes you, you try to do it more than you wish you could, but have you ever had an experience where you've been able to like, feel like you were, you know, you, it was mystical or it was spiritual, like something that really was like a profound impact on you. 
And if so, what yeah. was Oh, I've had many experiences like that. Um, so my granddad passed when I was uh, 15, 16, I think, 15, 16. And, um, and he, uh, I, sp- I speak to him regularly in spirit. Uh, but one of uh, the, the memory that came to mind, actually, I was just talking to Ash about this just the other day, actually, was when I was younger, I think I was 19 or 20, I went to India and I spent about a month traveling around backpacking solo around India. I booked a one-way flight. I didn't book a return ticket. I figured I'd figure it out. And um, and I spent uh, a couple of days in uh, the Bahid Gaya, the Bodhi tree, which is the tree where Buddha, uh, where the prince became the Buddha uh, and achieved enlightenment. And um, the Dalai Lama had just ran uh, or just led a pilgrimage from Dharamsala, which is in the north of India, to the Bodhi tree, which is also in the north, but it's like you're heading from north North uh, east or northwest to sort of central north for uh, for Bahigaya. and there was thousands. I mean, I'm talking. It was a sea of ropes, right? These these beautiful orange red uh, ropes. So thousands of of monks. The Dalai Lama had since left. When I arrived, I just got there two or three days after. And uh, so sitting in meditation and in prayer while they're chanting and they're doing their rituals, sitting around the Bodhi tree and meditating in that experience. It, that was pretty fucking phenomenal. Um, so that would have been that would have been right up there with one of the most amazing experiences. And just what again a beautiful synchronicity. I didn't know the Dalai Lama was leading this sort of pilgrimage. I had no idea about that. It was um, it was just remarkable. So that was that was quite wonderful. Uh, but I've had many other moments where I've just been just you know even in moment little moments like little moments of doubt or little moments of worry or whatever it might be and then you then i see a sign that granddad is with me and that sort of transports me so there's been a lot of lot of references for that um but that that's one that comes to mind i shake my head because i can relate what you're saying it resonates with me because my grandfather is supportive of me too so right. it's cool right you can understand that right. spiritual connection yeah. it's like your guy yeah. it's your north star yeah. yes um, do you consider yourself a creative artist? Yes, I would say, yeah. I wouldn't use that language, but yeah, I'll say yes. And how so? Well, I think that um, the, I'll break it down, creative and an artist. For me, the creativity bit comes in the work of running this business, of coming off new programs, of new ways of, of healing. And the artistry is in human transformation. That's my art. That's my craft. Right? I love it. You know, <laughs> That's it, what I was looking for. Yeah. I love yeah. when people can describe what they do as an art form because it's a form of expression. It's a form of your of your talents being able to be expressed to the masses, right? And you're educating and informing other people in a way to help them heal. You're yes. offering healing modalities. Yes. I, I can see you being more of a creative artist in the future. I feel like you'll be doing films that you'll produce that'll be more along in line with what you believe. As right. you go, I feel like you'll expand into that media as that is something you'll do in the future. Excellent. At some point. Yeah, yeah. My media manager will be very excited about that. Yeah, no, I could see that because I pick up off your energy. I see expansion into creative arts and I see you having messages conveyed through your videos. So I wouldn't right. be surprised if you don't do production stuff to put out on social media and build up a YouTube presence even more than you have already. Right. Um, Thank you. Yeah, that's just me offering my two cents as we talk and have these amazing conversations of exchange of information for our audience's benefit. Mm-hmm. When you look at self-help, Mm-hmm. During the pandemic, I know a lot of people struggled with a lot of uncertainty and a lot of despair and a lot of dark, you know, feelings, I would say, right? And, yeah. and a lot of people will be like, oh, well, if you smile, it can help, you know, make you feel better. 
But a lot of people don't get there, right? If they can't smile to begin with. So I ask you, when you look at self-help during times, these uncertainty times, times of uncertainty as we're dealing with, as we phrase them, right? The COVID pandemic and everything else that's been going on globally. What do you think when you tell people right now, if they're trying and struggling to get a smile on their face or they're struggling to have some, some self-belief and they want to improve their concepts and their, and, and their prerogatives of themselves in life, what would you say to them? Yeah, um, I can understand the difficulty in people uh, smiling. Um, it's like, uh, it's like someone that's stressed out of their mind and worried about paying for the bill, paying the bills and someone saying, just don't worry about it. It's like, well, fuck you. I, I can't put food on the table. Right. So I think sometimes, sometimes there's two ways of looking at it. Right. The first way, the way that came to me when you were talking about that, uh, that reference point is that, um, right now, if you think about where most people are at in the world, you know, if you don't smile, all good, just fucking survive, right? Like yeah. there's an element of, you know, th- there is this real, you know, a disconnect from a lot of self-help, which is that people should be happy all the time and that everything should be great all the time. No, we're in a, we're in a major, uh, you know, whatever you think about COVID, you can't deny the impact from a virus and also you oh, can't no. deny from a government perspective, right? Like it's substantial, People are losing homes and lives and businesses and everything's just gone to shit for a lot of people. Some people are very, very well off as a result of it, but most people are in a really bad place. So, okay, is it worse than World War II? No. Is it worse than World War I? No, but most of the people that are listening to this podcast never lived through that or the Vietnam War or the Afghan War or whatever, whatever you want to pick. So by comparison, most generations have struggled through something severe. This is just our generation's turn of that. And do you have to do that with a smile on your face? No. Would you enjoy it more if you did? Probably yes. But if you don't want to smile, all good. Just suck it up and deal with it and move forward. Like persevere. Uh, I think that's an important message in and of itself that you don't have to go through it and smile. You just have to go through it. Because on the other side of this, what we learn from this will hopefully allow us to live more meaningful lives. Now, in saying that, I remember you can find just these magical little things in kids' movies, right? And I'm not sure if you've ever read this book. I I think it's a book, but it's also turned into a movie, which is uh, Alexander and the Really Terrible, Horrible, Awful, Bad Day. I'm not sure if I got that name or the title right. Like It's it's really long title. And there's a scene in there where it's um, Jennifer Garner and, uh, and Steve Carell. They're the mom and dad. And he is a rocket scientist for NASA. And this is during the global financial crisis, GFC. And um, and so he's a rocket scientist from NASA. He gets laid off. Now, rocket scientists are obviously tremendously intelligent, but he don't have very transferable skills unless you're working for NASA. So he's now unemployed. He was the primary breadwinner of the family. He's now unemployed. And uh, she was the stay-at-home mom, but now she set up these, she, her book, she writes these kids' books, and they're really blowing up, and now she's a, she's making good money. So they've had this complete role reversal in a time of crisis, which I think a lot of people can resonate with. They're lying in bed one night, and... Um, she rolls over to him. She says, how are you going? She says, I haven't even seen you. I've been so busy. You've been looking after the kids. And uh, he says, I'm doing really well. She says, but are you really? She's like, you used to be building rockets. Now you're, you're, you're changing diapers. Like you had this big change. Are you not worried about not getting a job or any of those types of things? And he said, well, 
uh, I'm, I went for a couple of interviews today. He says, but here's the question. Would worrying about getting a job help me get a job? And he says, no, it's not going to help me get a job. So what's the point worrying about it, right? And I think there's a real important distinction in that, which is that, you know, some people get stressed because that's their pattern. Some people get angry because that's their pattern. Some people get anxious. Some people worry. Some people get sad. Some people are happy. It's just a learned experience. And so if you're, you know, if you're struggling financially, does worrying about your money help you make more money? Probably not. So then why are you worrying about it? Instead, take all the energy that you allocated to worry and allocate it to creativity and you'll find the solutions or allocate it to uh, to hunger and you go out there and get a job. Like, you know, I tend to find that people get stuck in these states. So one is you don't have to love it, just persevere and endure, right? That's important. Get out of your head about this idea that it has to be all perfect all the fucking time because it's not going to be. It's on Instagram. And then number two is that if you have acknowledged that you're going to persevere and you're going to struggle through it, then, okay, great. Struggling is a choice. And just consider, okay, great. Well, you don't have to love it. You don't have to be happy, happy, you know, rainbows and lollipops. But on the same token, whatever emotion you're engaging in on a regular basis is going to have an impact. And so you have to ask yourself, if I was to choose an emotion for the experience to give me the best chance of success would be what I'm doing right now, would that be the right emotion? And chances are, because it's reactionary, it's not going to be. And so it really is a trained skill to try and develop this sense of perspective and awareness uh, and insight so that you respond how you want to respond to life rather than how you've been conditioned to do so. That's such a critical lesson. That's a critical piece of information right there as you say that, because I feel like that's something that our audience should really pay attention to. Instead of being trained on how to react or overreact to something, look at it for what it is and don't let it, don't let the worry weigh you down. Don't let the fear of things weigh you back, right? Hold you back and, and look at it from the vantage point of being grateful and appreciative of where you're at and work within your confines, but you can work to improve it instead of worrying about it. Absolutely. And that's not that. That you want to be ignorant. I'm not, I'm not saying don't, uh, don't, okay, well, should I not care about my finances? No, you should be very aware of the fact that you've got no money, but worrying about it, it's like, once you're aware of it, um, once you're aware, then worrying is an indulgence right? So it's like, is worrying helping you? No. So just move into action. Worry is meant to be a trigger to say, pay attention to this. Once you paid attention to it, now now act. Absolutely. If you were a spirit animal, which spirit animal would you be and why? And if you want, I can go first. I'll go first. Yeah. I'll say, I'll say owl. Cause uh, I, just, I, I like wisdom. I like looking at things from a larger point of view, looking above and beyond current obstacles to see what's beyond that. Uh, because I'm intuitive. I feel like that fits me. Plus wisdom is important to me. So that's why I say. I love that. Um, I, I would say a silverback. I've always loved, I've always loved silverbacks. Uh, I think they're uh, obviously very strong, very protective as well. Um, and there's a beautiful sense of wisdom and power in that as well. Right. I, I, I quite like that. So I'd probably say silverback. Excellent. How can our audience find you if they want to contact you following this episode? What would you recommend? Yeah, thank you for that, Jason. So we have a couple of places. Uh, you can check me out on social. So on Instagram, it's at Calvin Coils. On uh, Facebook, it's at Calvin Coils Official. Uh, and then they can check me out over on wildsuccess.global, uh, wild, W-I-L-D, success.global. Um, they're probably the best places. Or you can check out an episode of the Wildcast as well with Calvin Coils. That's all uh, where you find all of your podcasts you can find there. Great. I appreciate you coming on the show, Calvin. I'm, I'm going to appreciate you. Thank you. I just want to thank Calvin for coming on the show today. 
sharing a, a lot of insight and wisdom. I think our audience should pay attention to what we were discussing because I think there's a lot of valuable lessons about self-belief and not having limited thoughts within yourself, utilizing life experience to look outside of where you feel limited and see that you can truly transform yourself. Calvin is a world-leading trainer and transform transformer, uh, personal transformation coach, I should say. And I feel like his knowledge of working with over 200,000 clients in 83 countries to develop the wild method, it says a lot. So check out Calvin's information. I'm going to have everything in the, in the show notes for his Instagram, as well as a website, which is wildsuccess.global. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to having more episodes like this in the future to feature such positive, transformative messages, because I think it really can give us hope, inspiration, and give us the ability to look beyond what's been in front of us for so long, which was a lot of uncertainty and a lot of negativity. And I think we can break through these kind of negative processes to see beyond. And that's important because one of the parts of transformation, like a snake shedding its skin, is being able to envision your growth, having the ability to have that vision, your internal alignment, a strategy, to employ such are all things we discussed today. And I really do believe heavily in synchronicity. And we discussed some really important parts of synchronicity and how they interplay in our lives. So pay attention to your, your own beliefs where your mind may give you some limiting thoughts. Try to isolate those thoughts and realize most of those will never become reality. Worry is a, is a wasted emotion. It doesn't lead to anything productive. Thank you so much for tuning in this episode. Stay positive because when you're positive, anything's possible. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook, and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. With the Baker's Plus Card, it's easy to get lower than low prices for the win. Earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus Card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Electric acid.